next weekend is, it's a big weekend. And I want every one of you to be here. It's commitment weekend next, next week. And so what that means is next week is going to set their tra- trajectory for our campus as a whole for the next 10, 20 years in so many ways. It's also going to set the trajectory for us to minister to others to do good outside the church and inside the church. And so, man, I, I can't encourage you enough to be here and to show up and to invite and, and to be praying that God would move and work next weekend. And so we're continuing in our series, The Good Initiative. Uh, we've got one more week after this one, which is next week, Commitment Weekend. And so we have been in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9. And Paul is writing his third letter to the church of Corinth. And he's saying, hey, I know we had a conflict. I just want to write you again just to say, hey, I love you. And I want to make sure that you're continuing in your understanding of the gospel. That it shapes not just what you say, but how you live. And specifically, we've been looking at how it shapes us when it comes to generosity. And so that's where we've been the last several weeks. And so I'm going to be reading Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 12 through 15. So let's let's read these words, or I'm going to read them. You can listen. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness... Your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. And so that's where we're headed today. We're going to be working through this passage. And so let's, let's go ahead and jump into the first verse. He says, for if the readiness is there, in other words, Paul has already been talking to them about, hey, you committed like a year ago that you were going to give to this collection, that you were going to give to this initiative. And what is that? That they were going to help out the church of Jerusalem. So he's saying, hey, if you're ready, I'm coming. I'm going to take the funds from you and we're going to go and give it to this church to help them out because they are in need. So that's, that's the backdrop. So verse 12 again. For if the readiness is there, which it is, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. One commentator is really helpful out of the ones that I read. He said that in the first century in Corinth, If you give a lot, then you have status among others. And so he's coming in and he's writing, hey, listen, just because you can't give a lot doesn't mean that you don't engage. That's essentially what he's saying. And you shouldn't feel guilty for not being able to give a lot. So we're going to give some illustrations of that and some thoughts about that. But that's the picture here. As a matter of fact, I had somebody come up to me recently. And uh, he's like, hey, can we meet? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he goes, you know, I've been praying about this initiative and, and everything that's going on. And he's like, Clint, you don't know this, but I have something going on in my life right now that if it goes through, I prayed that God would move in such a way that it would go through, and I was going to give that money to the church. And he said, and I'm here to tell you, it's not going to go through. And I could tell he was super jaded and sad over it. And I said, well, how, how, how are you dealing with that? And he goes, honestly, I'm really mad at God. Like, I was trying to honor him. 
I was trying to serve him. I was trying to be generous. I had this lump sum that I was going to give to the church, and it's not happening. I'm kind of like, God, what are you doing? Do you even care? Where are you at in my life? And it was one of those moments where he was feeling guilty because he couldn't give something that he didn't even have. It wasn't even his. And I told him, I was like, look, man, like, you just need to shift that. It's not the Lord, and you don't need to feel guilty, and I'm not mad at you. You know what I mean? The church isn't mad at you. Nobody's mad at you. You're putting all this guilt and this shame on you. You're not in control of it. I was like, you just need to readjust and go, okay, God, I'm going to engage with you again. It's not that. Then what is it? How do I walk with you, Lord? There's no guilt and shame in that. I mean, we, we do this. Oftentimes we think, because what he's saying is in the first century, he thinks that they were actually cowering back from giving because they felt like they didn't have a lot to give. So they're just going to tap out. They're just going to bow out. I mean, we do that. We tend to think this way, right? Some of us in this room. Like, what, I'm not going to vote because really, what, what is my vote going to do? Is it really going to make a, a difference? For whatever county and whichever way you vote, whatever it is for you. And so you're like, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to engage, right? Sometimes we think that way. Or maybe it's not voting. Maybe it's this. You see somebody on the side of the road and you're like, I'm not going to help them. I don't care what it is. That's not really helping the root problem. I'm just going to give them my money and they're just going to blow it away. You ever think like that? Right? As a matter of fact, have you gotten to that place where every time you see everyone who has a need that you just automatically go, I'm not helping them, instead of engaging with God. I've gotten to those places. I I know good reasons and bad reasons for doing that in your mind. You can justify a lot. So I want to share a story with you. I love to help people. I love to help when I can. And so what I try to do is I try to engage with God. I'll give you an example. Um, I had somebody, this is years ago, in Georgia, I think it was Georgia. Anyways, we stopped by a Cracker Barrel, and this person came up to me and said, hey, I I really need money. I'm stuck. And so I immediately started to pray. God, give me discernment. Give me wisdom. Direct me. I don't want to just shun this person and just assume that they actually don't need help, that they're not really asking me for help. They just want money to blow it on whatever. So I, I was just engaging with God. And the person said, the story changed a little bit, which is normal. You know what? If you're stressed, you're under pressure, you may not say things right all the time, so you got to give some grace, right? But as I was engaging with this person, we kind of got down to, what is it that you actually need? Because the way I typically try to help people in those situations is not give them cash, but actually say, where is it that you need to be or what is it that you need paid for? I'll pay it. So I found out, finally got to, it was a hotel down the street. And I said, I will go with you right now how many nights do you want to stay there? And the person kind of stopped and looked at me like, are you serious? And I was like, I'm 100% serious. I'm not going to give you cash. I don't know you. You can tell me everything you want in the world, but I just don't know you. And I was like, I don't have that kind of, I can't read your heart and your mind. And the person goes, well, listen, you, you don't, I don't want to trouble you. Like, you don't have to go over there with me. It's a distance. I was like, I'm in my car. You can hop in right now and we'll go. And they just backed out of the whole thing, right? Because this person didn't really want to stay at the hotel. They just wanted money. There has been many other situations where somebody had a bill that needed to be paid or an actual hotel that they wanted to stay in. And you know what? They took it. Yeah, come on with me. Here's the link. You need to pay this off for me. Um, I'm struggling, whatever it is. But here's the reality. You don't know until you engage 
with God and you ask questions. He's saying, hey, just because you don't have this big, giant lump sum to give doesn't mean that you just totally check out and you just say, hey, I'm not going to engage in the process of giving to the church of Corinth. That's the picture. And and here's the thing. Paul is saying engage with God, even if you think it's not going to make a dent, even if you think it's not going to do anything. It's between you and the Lord, right? And if you do that, just think about this. Let's bring it to modern-day grace. If everyone engages with God in this initiative, two things are going to happen. One is, it's going to shape you. It's going to shape you. When you say, everything that is mine is yours, God, and I want to give it to you, I want you to show me what you want me to do. Not what Pastor Clint's saying, not what somebody over here is saying, but God, what do you want me to do? It's all yours anyways. God, I'm going to engage with you. I'm going to surrender my life, my heart, my mind, my job, my finances, my everything. I'm going to engage with you. If you do that, it's going to shape you. It's going to bring joy in your life. That's what he talks about over and over, being a cheerful giver. It's somebody who's been set free. They're not holding on to their stuff. They're not tight-fisted. They're open-handed saying, God, I will go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm yours, God. It's engaging with God. It will shape you. It will free you. It will give you joy. I was talking to a doctor recently who attends our campus, and he was like, Bro, I've been listening to this podcast, and he's like, it's a super nerdy podcast on, like, the brain and on how, how it works and all this. And I was like, what's it called? And he said, well, this episode was the science of happiness. And I was sitting there, he's like, you might want to listen to it. I was like, man, how detailed it is, I'm probably going to skip. What's the big idea, right? Like, I was like, just give it to me. He said, here's the bottom line. He said, what he came to in his research about the brain, about how we all work, the science of happiness is actually considering and giving to others. And that's our time, our service, our stuff. And he said, we can't get joy and happiness doing this. We release. And doesn't the Bible talk about it? It's better to give than to receive. And actually, there's like neurons and all the things that if this doctor was up here, he'd tell you about, right? But it's actual happiness, It's engagement with God. There's this freedom. It will shape you. The second thing that will happen is if everyone engages with God, we're going to see a whole lot of good happen in our midst, in our our own lives, in our families, in our community, and all of Central Florida. God's going to move in a mighty way if we're all surrendering and engaging with God through this process. It's going to be amazing. And so what I ask of you is don't remove yourself from this process for whatever reason. Whether I don't have enough or I have too much, I don't know what to do. Engage with God. Go to God. Don't remove yourself. You give from what you actually have, not what you don't have. As a matter of fact, I'll give you an example. This idea. So Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Here's just an illustration. Okay? Okay. He's talking about engagement and sacrifice. This is Mark chapter 12. Jesus is talking, and and this is what it says, and it's, it's this illustration. And he sat down opposite the treasuries, this is Jesus, 
and watch the people putting money into the offering box. Notice this was public. Notice they're, they're dropping money in, and, and Jesus is watching among others. And what does it say? Many rich people put in large sums. And then a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him. And, and notice he's almost saying, come observe this with me, this act of giving, this act of generosity in your midst. Okay? And he called his disciples to him and he said to him, truly, I wish I, could he- I was there and could hear Jesus say these words. Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. What is Jesus praising? Jesus is praising the sacrifice. He's saying, they, I mean, they had a lot, they gave a lot, it's great. But notice this woman. She truly gave because it was a sacrifice. Is Jesus saying here that all of us should give everything that we have likewise? No. What is Jesus saying? He's saying it's not so much about the amount as it is the sacrifice in your life. Are you engaging with God and saying, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever to follow you, to give to you, right? Let's keep going. Verse 13. This is Paul again, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. What's Paul saying? Is he saying that it's wrong for some people to have money and some others to have less? No, that's not what he's saying. What is he getting at? He's saying, hey, listen, I'm not telling you that you need to give in such a way that all of a sudden you can't carry your own load, that you can't pay the bills, that you can't do the things that God's called you to do, provide for your family. The list could go on, right? He's not saying to do that. What is he saying? He's saying that, verse 14, your abundance, which many of us have, I would include myself here, that your abundance. Notice I love this because this just talks about right now. At the present time. You notice that? In other words, I'm going to say it a different way. It's not all about the future. Listen, I I get in those things too. I, I run the budget in our home and Gene's happy that I do, right? But I can get into 401k. I can get into college. I've got four girls, four potential weddings, right? I mean, I can get in that space, and you know what I can do? I can pull myself out of the present and say, I'm not going to give an ounce. Everything's going to the future. What does he say? Your abundance now, what does it do? It aids and helps people who are in need now. It's not all in the future. You have to engage with God now, right? That's the the picture that he's showing. 
So your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. He's saying we want to care and help others. And this is exactly what we want to do with the Good Initiative. We plan to help people spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so I want you all to check out this video that we've got for you today. Right after I had my baby, I felt completely broken and very just stripped of support and even my identity. I was like, who am I? What happened? What's going on? And now I'm a mother. I knew that I needed to figure out how to get back with God. My name is Tammy Jo Fashion, and I have been going to Grace since January 2022, and I attend the Oviedo campus. I had just had a baby. I found myself um, very scared in that relationship, and I didn't uh, have a home necessarily to go to. I didn't have my parents. And I actually had a really good friend of mine call me and she actually attends Grace. And she was like, um, I have a room for you if you need if you need it. And five days, maybe three days later, I called her and I was like, I need that room. And she came up and got me and I left. I felt completely broken, completely embarrassed and um, ashamed. But when I first came to Grace, no one looked at me like, like I did. You know, no one saw that I was full of shame. They were just like, oh, hi, <laughs> welcome, welcome to Grace, and accepted me for who I was, where I was. I had a really good talk with Pastor Clint and it really had me hold myself accountable for my relationship with God. And from there, um, I knew that I could have responsibility for my life and for my choices moving forward. My faith was really strong. I knew that God was really moving in my life. I knew that He was doing this. I knew that He was protecting me and keeping me safe and that as long as I kept saying yes, <laughs> that he was going to provide for me. So I found myself in a situation where I needed immediate funds to get an apartment. I didn't really have anybody to ask, and my friend suggested that I contact the Benevolence Program at Grace. So I did, and immediately I got a phone call from someone, and as I was sharing, it was just, it, it was like I called my dad you know, and which was something that I just really needed. I needed like the parental figure, someone, you know, like, oh, I got myself in a mess. <laughs> I need to call my dad and I don't have a dad to call or anyone. And through grace, I was able to move into that apartment and have a place that's clean and safe and secure for me and my little child. And that really moved me. I've never been um, a recipient of something like that happening. All right, you guys, next we have Tammy 
God was cultivating a relationship with me this whole time. Um, he was showing me that it is all Him. And when you finally realize that, when you, when you have that relationship with God, that's exactly what the Good Initiative actually is and actually looks like. Through the Good Initiative and through all of the, the outlets that Grace is providing, I can't imagine what just a little bit more, more space, more room, more counseling is gonna do for this community because generosity from Grace changed my life. Super powerful. Um, like, I, I just think about how tough it is to honestly ask for help. And then she did. And then to have people at our campus who are willing to sacrifice their time, their, their place, and to say, come, come, I want to help you. I want to love you. I want to walk alongside you. It's the body of Christ showing up. It's amazing, and that's exactly what this text is saying. Hey, at the present time, there are people who are in need, physically, counseling, like mentally. They're, they're struggling. They've got hurt. They've got pain. They've got issues. They don't have a relationship with God. There's so many people around us who are in need, and that's why we show up. That's how we show up. It's just an, it's an incredible just picture of God showing up in our lives and doing it through us. And that's what we want to do more and more as we continue at Grace, at all campuses, not just here, but, but as Grace as a whole. So let's keep going. This is verse 15. This is the last verse. Paul says, and he quotes Old Testament, right, in a paraphrase kind of way. He says, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. He's talking about Exodus chapter 16, verse 18 and following. What's the picture? God delivered the people of God, the Israelites, out of Egypt under the slavery of Pharaoh. Parts of the Red Sea, they get out, and as God sends them out through a man named Moses, Moses gives them instruction and he leads them through the wilderness. And one of the things that God does is, is that he has manna fall from heaven. I just want to know what that is. You ever go there? Like you're like, you just want to know what manna is and how good it is and what it, like do we have it today? Anything comparison? But anyways, so it drops down manna. And, and what does God say? He says through Moses, and there's a lot of this in the text. They say, hey, you listen to Moses. He's your leader. So when you obey Moses, you obey God. So Moses says, hey, Listen, man is going to come from heaven. You're going to eat of it. You eat your fill. Eat to where you're full and feel good and satisfied. But don't hold on to it at the end of the day. Don't try to store it in your pocket or in your tent. No, let it go. You're done for the day. And then tomorrow we'll provide you with more. And so what happened? They eat. They have their full some of them let it go because they're not holding on. They're trusting God for tomorrow and the next day. 
But then there are some, what do they do? They hold on to the food because there's excess everywhere. And so they go and they grab it. And the next morning they wake up and there's worms covering all of that food. And it's nasty. It smells gross. And Moses is really angry. And so there's all that interplay in here as we talk about this verse. But I want you to hear this. There's something else in this text that's fascinating. Moses instructs them about the Sabbath. And he says, six days you work, six days you gather, and on the seventh day you rest. It's the day of the Lord. It's the holy day. And so he said, here's what that means. On the sixth day, you're going to bake twice as much. You're going to knead twice as much. And you're going to have food for that day, and you're going to have food on the Sabbath. Because on that day, there won't be anything to gather. So you need to prepare for it. Okay? What's the picture? This is divine mercy. All the other days, don't hold on to your food. Trust me. There's a principle here. Trust me with tomorrow. Trust me with your future. Trust me with your life, Israelites. But on the sixth day, you're going to prepare. And you're going to be ready. And so some of them prepared and some of them didn't. But what would happen? The next day they would have food and then everybody else would go out and they would try to gather in. And the whole picture is, is that I'm going to, in a supernatural way, sustain the food, sustain the food overnight this night, and you're going to have food for tomorrow. There's not going to be any worms. And it says that in the text. There's not going to smell bad. You're going to be able to eat of it. So let's bring this principle here. Paul is talking to them about giving, not what they don't have, but what they do have, and that many of them are in abundance, and that they need to give their abundance to help those around you. What's the layer behind that? The layer is, will you trust me with tomorrow? Will you be generous in this, the text says, present time, Church of Corinth? Will you help Jerusalem in this present time? And will you trust me with your future? Will you trust me with tomorrow? Will you trust me with all of your life? And then it says, as it is written, verse 15, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Because they didn't hold on to it. They didn't try to cling to it. They weren't tight-fisted. They were open-handed. And whoever gathered little had no lack because it was provided for them. So he's saying in the same way, we who have much must give to those who have little. That's the principle, and that we'll trust the rest with God. So I want to end with this story because it happened this week. It's really cool. And this has happened at all campuses at different times, but this is the most recent one. This is at the Winter Garden campus. They had a large group gathering to talk about the initiative, and they've been going through it. And they had tables set up with people to discuss and all those things. And out of the discussion, out of the questions, one of the, one of the ladies there who was new to Grace, okay, she opens up in the group and says, I'm really struggling with all this giving stuff because I've got so much credit card debt. I, like, I, we're barely making it. Like, barely making it. And somebody said, well, h- how, much, how much is it? How, how much credit card debt do you have? So she, she said to the group, you know, we've got X amount of credit card debt. And the pastor who was there said that a guy got up out of the group, quietly, went away to the ATM, got all the cash out to pay off the bill, and came back, handed it to the pastor, put it in an envelope, and said, will you give that to them? 
uh, they don't even know who it was. And so this is incredible. Pastor goes, hands him the envelope, breaks down, super generous, super grateful. This pastor gets a text just two nights ago, because I was texting him about it. I was like, give me more details. And he said, get this. Her husband isn't a Christian. And he said, after that generosity, he's like, you know what? I'll give it a listen. I'll listen to the sermon. You know, obviously these people are incredible. I don't know what to think about that. You know, watches the sermon, sermon gets done. And he goes and he hands her $25. And he says, hey, when you go to church this week, I want you to give this $25 to the initiative because they're obviously doing something good in our midst. It's a guy who doesn't walk with God. It was just this testimony of God saying, hey, when I'm generous, when I show up, when I move in your midst, crazy things happen. Hearts are softened, lives are changed, people are counseled, people are reached. And so that's our hope, that's our prayer. And so I wanna give you a moment right now. I just want you to, we, we got a big weekend next weekend. I want you to go to the Lord and start engaging with God. God, how are you speaking to me? How is this laying on me? How am I involved in your will, in your way? So go ahead and go to the Lord and I'll close us out in prayer. Take a moment and seek him. God, I just ask that you would soften our hearts, that if there's any barrier, anything in the way between us and you and engaging with you in this process, God, that you would remove it that you would open us up, that we wouldn't be tight-fisted, that we'd be open-handed, that we would be cheerful givers, God, that we would want to, in our abundance, serve those who have less, who have need, who have things in their life where we can help. God, would you open the doors and opportunities? Would you show up in our lives so that we can show up in other people's lives? God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.